Everyone has an interesting story to tell, and I want to share them with the world. I am your host, Mr. Minigolf, and this is my show, Par for the Course. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Par for the Course. Last week we heard from John Racine talk about working for Disney with the Boy Scouts of America and a lot more. This week we are diving into the story of Empress, a professional ballerina and musician. Listen in as we explore her story. The sponsors of this episode are Night Sports USA, the creators of the fantastic Night Sports 7 Color Spectrum Light Activated Golf Ball, which changes the night game of golf and mini golf alike. And Swing Time Germantown, my favorite mini golf course in all of Wisconsin. Experience it for yourself and be amazed. Now on to the show. All right, welcome everybody to the Par for the Course Business Podcast. Today my guest is a musician and dancer. Uh, we have uh, Empress with us today. So welcome to the show, Empress, and uh, tell us about yourself, where you're from, and I'm sure a bunch of people that are also artists, uh, musicians, people that are trying to pursue their talent are going to really tune into your story and uh, really want to know how you got to where you are. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Mr. Minigolf. I'm so happy to be here. And hi, everyone. I am Empress. Um, yeah, I'm a singer-songwriter and former ballerina with San Francisco Ballet. And I later transitioned onto Broadway, where I performed in An American in Paris uh, in um, let's see, and later did the lead role as well, which is a dream come true. And it opened up this whole can of worms. And now um, I always joke, I can't shut up. So here I am, a singer songwriter uh, under the stage name Empress, which is just meant to be an empowerment um, statement for me. Uh, I am finally the ruler and the creative um, creator over my own world and my own artistic life and uh i'd like to inspire other people to be the empress or emperor over their own life yeah, that's awesome just yeah. give people the the chance to empower themselves and and take control because yeah. a lot of people that you know i talk to and people that i'm bringing on as guests for the show and all that you know it's a lot of people are in this transition of you know they maybe pursued one path um that you know is kind of you know, what was told, this is the, the correct path. Like, oh, we need you, we want you to be an engineer or a doctor or, or something along those lines. But then people find, you know, they're not truly happy and they, they discover they're not following what, you know, they're always meant to be. And right. yes, it's a challenge to, you know, identify that. But if you found what you want to, what you want to do, what's your true self, you, you figure out a way to make that happen. That's exactly everything that Empress and yeah, uh, kind of holds within the crown, you know, it's, it's, it's all, it's your choice. The cool part about um, coming up with the stage name was kind of finding the most um, empowering um, word. I mean, Empress or Emperor. And normally I think uh, there can be a little negative connotation that goes along with that word because it sounds like I'm trying to rule over other people, but I'm not. It's a self coronation. Um, and you know, how cool would the world be if we all owned our own crown? You know, if it wasn't just loaned to us for this lifetime and given to the next person, there's like 
always an insecurity to to not actually owning a crown how cool would it be if we all owned our own crown and um kind of got to to define what our empire looks like and without making it you know without ruling over other people it's just your life it's your empire you create yeah, you your own rule yourself yeah yeah and I love too, by the way, Mr. Mini Golf, that you are a professional mini golfer because I have never heard of that before. Like, this is so amazing that I, I, I mean, you're blowing my mind right now. And that is also very empowering because I'm sure people, you've got that a few times. I'm probably not the first person to be like, what? That's a thing. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely a, a unique lifestyle, but I mean, I can probably parallel it to everything that you do as well because it's not a traditional route, you know? No, um, not at and, all. And I know for a fact, uh, I, when I was in uh, high school, I went to a, a performing arts academy. Uh, so I, I was there for music. I played really? saxophone. Yeah. That's cool. Oh, and, gosh. Saxophone is my favorite instrument ever. It's the best. Yeah, I, I played uh, a lot of jazz. I loved doing uh, improv solos. So that was like my thing for music. And I just know that you have to, you have to work at it in order to make something become of it. So um, it's the same with miniature golf. I had to, I knew that I was passionate about it. I always had a great time and I had to figure out how I could transition from working in a corporate 500 company corporate world to yeah. doing that and figuring out how I could make a living by doing that. The best mm -hmm. part is I figured that out. It's, it's, it's growing and growing as we go. And the other best part about that is I can use that to help other people. So a lot of the work that I do also helps, you know, with uh, nonprofit organizations, gets them funding, gets them awareness. So there's a lot of really cool stuff with it. And it's just, for me, it was like, I had to figure out a way. And um, I want to know like how you figured out your way with music and dancing um, where did that passion come from? How did you get started? Um, how did you know that this was going to be the path that you were going to take? Well, you know, it's, it's funny because I think it started at a very young age and it, it tends to be around seven years old is, is kind of like the number where a lot of kids start dreaming um, like of what they want to become when they grow up. And my parents kind of use that time and, and they asked my siblings and I to sit down one day and write down our dreams. And I said, dream big kids, you know, like you can do anything you want. Like, what do you, what, I want you to write it down so that we have this piece of paper to kind of like navigate. Um, and I wrote down, I was very specific. I wrote down three things and that was to be a ballerina, to be a singer and to be an actress. And, um, and I've been able to check off all of those things. Like day one of being on Broadway, they called us actresses. And I thought that was so cool. And now I'm a singer. And it's just like, you know, after um, being a ballerina for most of my life, I think there's no reason for me to have chosen the art artist path because uh, no one in my family does anything remotely close to what I do. So everyone's athletic. And so I had that athleticism, I think, that helped me with my ballet. But how did I know I wanted to be a ballerina at seven years old? There's really no rhyme or reason. Um, how did I know I wanted to be a singer? I mean, every girl wants to be a ballerina and a singer, probably, you know, like a pop star or something. But mm -hmm. um, 
but then there, t there comes like a time where maybe they didn't have the support or they didn't have the talent or they didn't have the right coaching or training. And all of those things matter in, you know, in the, the, um, in the course of your career, if you choose the arts, um, you need, you need supportive people around you. And I always had that. I'm so grateful for my family because everyone, they kept us humble because my brother and sister were really good at other things, um, sports wise. And we all kept each other humble, but we supported each other a million percent. And our parents always said to us, dream big, you can do anything you want. They always encouraged us to follow our dreams. And then in order to follow our dreams, it meant a lot of driving for my mom, you know, like she always did it and she never complained. We had so much quality time in the car that I think back and I think some of my favorite memories are actually just like sitting in the car talking with my mom. Um, and, um, and then the teachers, you know, like the people that, that give the gift of passing knowledge to, you know, people who, who like, it's like a sponge. They're like water and, and the sponges that want to absorb it all. And then it's, it's up to you of what you do with that. So I had amazing teachers. I grew up in Tahoe. Each teacher, um, you know, it's funny, they all take credit for everything, but they all gave me a gift. It was kind of like the fairy godmothers of Sleeping Beauty where mm -hmm. someone gives you the gift of grace. Somebody gave you the gift of like knowledge. Somebody gave me the gift of, you know, like partnering or my arms or my feet or whatever. So everyone kind of gave me gifts and I accepted those gifts and I used them to my best, um, you know, like I just used them uh, as tools throughout my career. And I had an amazing um, group of people that helped raise me and get me to where I am today. Uh, with all that, I mean, teachers for sure are, were a big part for me too, because I had, uh, I remember a particular teacher, Mr. Crambeer in fifth grade and sixth grade. Um, yeah. he, he basically gave me that confidence that, you know, he said, you can do whatever you want to do. Not that there isn't work to it, but if you really want something, you can do that. So, I mean, props to him for doing that. And, um, I mean, I, I even invited him to my wedding in 2018. So it was a, it was a nice way to reconnect with that and with him with that. And um, on the wedding too. Yeah. Hey. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but the thing is too, with, uh, having great teachers, um, you know, they, they, they have, they make that connection with a bunch of people that, you know, they try to inspire. I think that's like a, a main goal of a teacher is if they can reach a person and inspire them to do something, whether it's not traditional or anything along those lines, but just give them that opportunity to really dig deep into themselves to figure out, um, yeah. you know, where do you want to go and how are you going to get there? But yeah. with that, I also want to ask, were there anybody that ever told you you couldn't do what you what you do? Like anybody trying to push you down or, or, or other children or anybody that was like, oh, you can't do that. Your dream is silly because um, I think it's also important to see, you know, what other outside influences uh, were there. And, you know, did well, obviously you were able to overcome any of that. Because, um, I feel like my my worst enemy was not other people. It was, it was my reaction to other people. Sure. Telling okay. me, 
or um, or I was I was a perfectionist because you know being in the ballet you're always striving for perfection and what does that even mean? There's no like definition of perfection, so you're striving for this like unseen force, and you can always do something better. Um, you know, you so you kind of compete against yourself in a lot of ways. You're like, okay, I did two turns that time, but I could have done three, and then you do three turns, and you're like, oh, I should have stayed up for another one and done four, and then you know if you do four, well then why not just go for five you know like so you can always Mm -hmm. kind of self you know criticize and put a lot of weight on your own shoulders so actually um i mean part of being in a ballet company is everybody's amazing and so you don't have time to give everybody compliments as a, a choreographer or a teacher they want it better so it's like you know the line isn't straight but there's only one person out of line and so it's like instead of focusing on all the people that are in line, let's say it's like 25 Mm -hmm. girls are like standing in a perfect line and there's one girl that's just a little off, the entire line's wrong and, you know, everyone has to do it again. And um, we're going to focus on the one person that's out of line because, you know, that's, it's not perfect enough. And um, we focus on the negative um, in the ballet because of that, because we don't have time to give all the compliments because everyone was amazing Mm -hmm. except for that one person. that one person and so you kind of get into that habit um of well and I don't even want to say habit but you kind of like don't take it personally um and that helped me so much in my career especially in the acting world you're told no all the time and I was so grateful for all the no's because I wasn't perfect for the like you don't ever want to put yourself in a a round hole if you're a square you know so you want to be right for the part you don't want to have to conform all the time I mean, you do as an actress anyways or a singer or a whatever um on broadway especially when you're when you're auditioning constantly you're always trying to be something that you're not really but um but you want to be the best person the best version of that person um you know like yeah like genuine to that particular yeah. role like yeah. obviously you're changing like who you need to be for a particular type of role but you still want something that. else yeah, yeah. totally um, and so anyway, I, I think really, um, yeah, tons of bullying. Um, do I remember all of it? No, because I just like had to keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, if you hold on to negative criticism, it, you, you're holding on to basically an anchor that's being dropped in the bottom of the ocean. You will just keep going down with those things. If you don't hold on to it, you just, okay, you know, kind of, decipher what you really need to to get from whatever criticism that you just got because criticism can be so um so good for you if you're open and you're not gonna take it personally if you're just like okay cool yeah tell me what be honest I, I would rather know how I can be better you know like what is it that I'm not doing right or you know but um bullying wise yeah there are bullies all the time there's mean girls all over and now the internet it's like there's so many ways to bully people um but do i focus on that no the glass is always mostly full for me and there's so many more good things to look at in the world than there are negative and so i just don't it's it's a choice your reaction to somebody bullying you is a choice on your end you only have control over yourself your your reaction to it that's the only reason why any bullying ever um 
you know, affects people is because they let it affect them. Otherwise, you're just like, okay, whatever, you've got a problem yeah, in your life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, Most of the time, it's just like people being jealous of that you're doing what they wish they could do, right? You know, yeah, totally. you're, oh, you're, gosh, achieving, yeah. you're achieving what they yeah. thought was never a possibility. So, yeah, it, yeah. Right. thoughts on that? Yeah, it's, um, it's definitely, that's interesting. Because even, um, especially being a ballerina, it's, it's not a part-time job. Uh, it's a all-the-time job. And you have to be like a million percent into it to even get a job. And then when you get a job, it's, that's, it, it's all consuming. And I remember, oh gosh, there's so many adults. Because I was 16 when I was hired in San Francisco Ballet, okay. which is kind of like, in the history of people being hired in San Francisco Ballet or in any ballet company, 16 is still really young. It's always a young industry, but 16 is like, well, you know, I think there's like four of us that have ever been under the age of 18. That, that wow. So it's like, that's, I was very young. Um, and so people thought I was doing this like for fun, you know, it was like, um, what do you do? What do you, what do you want to do when you grow up kind of questions? Mm -hmm. and, and it actually came from a lot of adults, which is interesting. Um, and, and I remember actually standing up for myself once because there was this um, parent of a, a, a little girl in my hometown. And I grew up in like Lake Tahoe, so it's, you know, a very small place. But this little girl was a really good dancer. And she wanted to dance. And I invited her to come stay with me in San Francisco and watch The Nutcracker. Um, one Christmas, you know, she's good friends with my little sister. And so I was like, you guys should both come and watch the Nutcracker and I'm going to inspire you. And you're good enough to do this. I want to like plant seeds for your dreams. Right. The parents wouldn't let her come because they were like, well, we don't want to, you know, um, we want our daughter to do, uh, to like have a real job. The traditional like, route, right? Yeah. Oh, I was like so angry. And I ended up telling them like how much I made, you know, like in a year and, and mm -hmm. kind of like trying to, but it made me stoop down to their level. It wasn't even worth it. The little girl ended up not being able to dance because her parents didn't want her to. So she ended up going, this is actually a true story. She ended up going to Vegas, became a stripper because her parents didn't want her to dance. And she could have been in San Francisco ballet like that, you know, just support your kids and yeah so she just defied what her parents said and did it anyway but not in the route that she like yeah. let's have a career that she deserved you know and and like that's a true story and i i always look back i'm like i mean it, it's it wasn't even worth my time to stoop down to that level mm -hmm. but you know i let it get to me and i was like why did i even let that get to me it's like it's, it's water under the bridge now but um but a lot of of insults definitely come from adults uh when you're pursuing your dream and you're actually doing it there's uh yeah but why focus on that there's so yeah. many people that are like what you're doing is amazing and you know they yeah those are the people that you want to just keep close and and they're they're going to encourage you and motivate you i i mean when i when i went on my route my journey to becoming a professional miniature golfer there was a lot of people you know that had doubts that I could make something of it, but now they're like, you know, you keep going. Like they, they changed, they changed how they, how they reacted initially that, you know, they're like, I don't know if this is the right route, but then they're like, they're seeing what I'm doing now. And they're like, this is amazing. Keep going for it. You can do it. You can keep going further along with that. That actually is such a, a powerful statement is that when 
when people see it happen, when you've already achieved it, then they go, oh, now I get it. I mean, it's like, mm-hmm. you just got to do it. And so if you're waiting around for somebody to tell you you can or can't do something, when you know you can, um, you know, you're wasting your, your life away, you know, do, yeah. do what you, what you know you're, you're capable of doing and, and do it 110%. You never know what kind of opportunities are waiting for you, you know, tomorrow, if you're not working towards it, you know, so. Exactly. I mean, a lot of people have trouble when regarding business or going after a talent or a hobby of just getting started. They have this fear of what if I fail? What if I can't do it? What if people don't support me about that? But it's like, you're never going to know unless you get started. And the best thing about it too, is once you're started, if it's not working, you figure out why is it not working? If it's not evolution, that's right, just like, yeah. what you, 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 you can adapt, you can adapt. We're so adaptable. And I think we're finding that out even more so because of this, this weird, um, you know, self-isolation pan- world pandemic. It's like, mm-hmm. we're all figuring out that we're pretty resilient. You know, humans are, are really adaptable and we're just, um, we're going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I, I mean, I, what I see from people is like, you know, there's people, some people that say, oh, I lost my job um, or I'm furloughed or I can't do something right now. And then they just sit around waiting. They just wait uh-huh. and they wait. But then there's other people that say, well, I'm not working now or I don't have a job once the world comes back to what we perceive as normal. They're coming up with new ways. They're being innovative. They're creating. They're starting that lifestyle that they always wanted to. And they're, this is a great chance and opportunity for people to start again on it's things that so, they've always wanted to. It's a big deal right now because it's this wheel that would never have changed directions unless this happened, unless we blew up the wheel basically. And, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of industries, um, ballet, Broadway, music, they don't change. They don't. Um, they don't have any any reason to because they have a system that they've been doing for this long, and right. it's always worked a certain way. And now all of a sudden, everything's changed, and it's like the wheel blew up, and they have to change. Nobody gets to take the blame or the the um, credit for this change. Mm-hmm. It's like it's not anyone's fault. It's not anyone's you know idea. It just happened. And we all change. And, and suddenly all these industries are figuring out new ways to create. And, and it's like, how beautiful is that? How we literally turned lemons to lemonade, you know, and mm-hmm. we can. We can always dream up a new thing. But this is like the perfect time for us all to just stop this wheel that was never going to stop. It just stopped. And, and just like kind of take a deep breath together collectively and just kind of decide wait should I keep going down this path or should I try that one because I that that actually is where I wanted to go but because I was on this wheel constantly going that way I couldn't and now it stopped so maybe it's time for us all to just go back to our dreams and you know like I know I am the seven-year-old in me has checked off all the things that I wanted to do now I'm deciding what is that actually, you know, what, what would I be dreaming of right now? What's the seven-year-old self inside of me wanting to do now? Yeah, so what, what is next? But um, before we go into that, so um, speaking of COVID-19, so what have you been doing during this time? Have you been working on new music? Yes. Um, let's, let's hear about all that. 
Yeah. Um, the first thing that I decided to do, cause I, no one really knew how long this was going to mm-hmm. go for and it's, it's going to be a while. I think the first thing I did was start orchestrating this symphony that I wrote like, um, eight or nine years ago. And I wow. knew this was going to be a time consuming project. I haven't had this much time at home with my piano, my computer, all the recording stuff that I have that it's been collecting dust. I decided to dust it off and start working on it. And, um, and it's, it is very time consuming. I'm almost done with it. It's like 30 minute piece and it's been so fulfilling artistically. It's been like, just, it feeds my soul. And of course I'm creating always, there's like, I'm looking into virtual reality projects and I'm doing augmented reality projects and I'm going to release new music and, it's just a time for artists, I think, especially to create. I mean, this is like the perfect excuse. You're stuck at home. Why, you know, cry about it when you could be using this time, you know, to create. So. And, move, and move forward and build yeah. up momentum with everything that you're working on. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm really happy and excited um, about the the creative process that has sort of developed during this time and just having time with my husband at home in one place it's so nice i mean i'm i'm um trying to stay away from news as much as possible because it's just you know oh it's it's heart-wrenching to hear some of the stories mm-hmm. and it's not that i don't want to be connected it's that it's 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 like taking other people's problems and and trying to process them myself is just i think that's something that nobody needs to deal with <laughs> and and the fact that there's a lot of that going on too you just it you don't need that additional negativity that you can't do anything about and and add it to everything that you're doing there are the industries um and news and media to to like stop feeding that fire that we don't want i think we're all a little bit fed up with with um, being bombarded with everyone else's opinions. I think this mm-hmm. is a good time for us to just calm down and redefine what we, you know, what we collectively want as a, you know, as a human, <laughs> what we want to be fed, what we don't want to eat, you know, it's like, it's. Yeah, I mean, I, I recently saw a pretty interesting um, interview, uh, maybe it was a couple of weeks ago, but it was with a guy that was, that's changing how the food industry works. So with everything that's going on right now, you know, people discovered, well, when there were shortages of food at the grocery stores and things like that, um, the fact is that there was tons and tons of food that was being uh, thrown away or dumped out. Like maybe you heard like a lot of dairy farms were dumping milk or um, a lot of like local farmers, they they'd throw out their produce. Uh, mainly because they didn't have like the logistics to ship it throughout the United States because people mm-hmm. weren't working and things like that. But, right. what was, but what was crazy is this guy uh, came up with an idea of how to improve those logistics. So basically allowing farmers and, and producers to create this network. So if they say, hey, I have um, 100 tons of spinach, who needs spinach? Now they can say, well, I do over in this part of the country. And then they're like, all right, well, we'll ship it out there. And uh, this part of the country needs it. And then they'll ship it out there. So they're changing how that part of the country works because the, basically they were saying that the food logistics for the country has been the same for several decades. So the fact that, you know, like you said before, um, you know, the wheel stopped 
and now we have to create a new wheel and and they're doing that so i thought that was a great connection yeah that's everything you said perfect connection yeah it's just amazing how these these industries will change for the better and you know again there's so many positive things that are happening in the world and it's just like choosing what you want to consume you know what you want to put into your life it's like it's your choice you know whatever it's not being forced on anybody it's it's a choice to to look for the positive it's also a choice to be happy it's a choice to be authentic it's a choice to be empowered um i always say empowerment doesn't come from the opposite sex it comes from within you know it's 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 not we don't have to keep on reaching outward we can start from within and then that kind of that bring that draws in a whole new kind of um, perspective of everything you know if you're healthy and happy on the inside you start seeing more positive things around you just because that's your new lens it's that you know rose-colored lens Right. And if you bring out positive positivity, then, you know, it's providing positivity for other people and then that just spreads, but it's the same with negativity. Right. So like we were saying, not watching the news as much, you, you remove that negativity and then you can focus on the positivity and spread that out and, you know, hopefully impact other people so that they have that positivity as well. And it just keeps growing and growing. Oh, have you seen, um, there's a, a, news network uh john uh, i can never say his last name Kurowski or something um there's some good news um if you have it you need to check it out i'll have to check it out yeah i haven't seen that and they're so incredible but yeah so like news he made up this some good news network and and it's been so incredible um you have to check it out it's heartwarming yeah absolutely i sure will um so sometimes this, I think this is a good question because I think a lot of people that haven't had the opportunity to meet someone that has made it into an industry that they don't think is like the typical route, like you becoming yeah. a ballerina or a musician. Um, you know, most of the time I think people just see whatever the final product is, right? So they either go see the oh, performance yeah. or they see the, uh, the, the music or a music video or something along those lines. But I don't think they really get the gist of, what goes into that? Um, can you can you um, share with like how much uh, training and um, practice that you had to do to become a ballerina? Um, how much time and effort goes into creating a new song? Yes. What goes from actually creating the maybe the lyrics and the the actual instrumental part, and then what comes next and how long does the actual production part take? Like that would be really interesting. I think for people to hear. Yeah. And that's such a great question. Thank you for asking Mm -hmm. that. And I I think there's like a funny story that popped into my head about this. Um, I remember meeting this woman once and um, she told a stranger and she found out I was ballerina and she said, Oh, I always wanted to take a ballet class, but um, it doesn't look like it's good exercise. So I just wanted to do (laughs) exercise. And I was like, um like what like my ears I was just like like what no that is how did you come up with that idea and she goes well you guys make it look so easy it, like it just you know you never sweat I'm like if they knew how many tissues we go through backstage people walk off stage or run off stage generally um and there's all these these light booms all over the the backstage mm-hmm. and you walk up and there's like T- um, tissue boxes taped to these booms and you just, you know like dab your face and then throw it away and it's like 
you have no idea how much paper we go through in a single night of performances because people we don't our our entire profession is supposed to look easy but be the hardest thing and people kind of forget how hard it is because we make it look so easy i mean another point is like we smile through pain like that's just what we do so whenever i was like rehabbing for an injury um I would smile when I was in a lot of pain and it confuses the physical therapist. I mean, they're like, wait, why are you smiling right now? You're like cramping and seizing up and you're shaking because you're, you know, like doing a squat for 10 minutes. Like, what? why are you smiling? I'm like, this is just what we do. You know, I'd be like, oh, this is really hurting. And they'd be, you know, confused because I'm smiling. Um, and, and so it's part of um, the blood, sweat and tears of the ballet um, versus singing and music and stuff. I mean, ballet is the hardest um, profession. The government actually came out with a, a study this year and they put ballet dancers at the, or dancers in general, at the top of this um, as, the, as the hardest profession physically in the country. Wow. And it's above firemen, it's above, um, you know, like, contractors who build homes it's like it's above boxing it's above everything because it's you have to be so um it's just so physically demanding on so many levels you have to have flexibility you have to have strength you have to have um you know like it it's a mental mind game because you're learning choreography people are yelling at you you have to like kind of listen to what they're yelling at but not react right um mm -hmm. you're in front of live audiences it's live I mean like it's it's not um film where you could cut something goes wrong you're live right. always um and you're dancing through pain there's you know I my feet never calloused my dance teachers lied when I was a kid they all said oh you'll you'll get over those blisters you know your feet will callous and and your skin will callous and then you won't get bloody blisters all the time that never happened to me and now you know that I'm not dancing full time, my feet look great, but that's the upside of not calloused feet. But, um, but they always said that they would callous. I got bloody blisters my entire career. I mean, my feet, I've torn every ligament in my ankles, both of them. I have like missing ligaments in my elbow from slip, you know, falling. Uh, my neck uh, has, has been broken. Like my shoulders stopped working like while I was dancing there's so many things physically that you have to dance through like I, there were days where I couldn't walk but then I could run on stage somehow like I didn't know how I was going to get on there but I did it and I do these incredible things and I'd come off and I literally would seize up and I couldn't walk anymore I was like how did I just perform <laughs> it could have been <laughs> just like dogs. adrenaline or just like it's, the it's having been I don't know how it happens, but we get through it and it is so physically demanding, but I think the most exhausting part about the ballet is the mental, um, you know, the, the psyche that it takes to kind of do that profession because it can be really, like I said, they focus on the making it perfect part and, and they don't focus on telling you you did a good job, you know. So that can get really exhausting because you're not really getting any kind of positive feedback. I mean, the audience, when you're, when you're on stage and you're bowing, somehow you don't hear the applause. It's the weirdest thing. It's like you, 
you go on stage, they're all clapping for you, but you kind of like, your mind's thinking about like, okay, I'm supposed to be on center and then I'm supposed to, you know, point my feet and I'm supposed to push my shoulders down, but like, you know, but not too far down because then I don't want to look, you know, there's so many, oh, there's so many things to think about that you almost don't even hear the applause, which, you know, that's, you ask most most performers don't hear people clapping for them so we never really get positive reinforcement um and so that can get really old whereas you go to the music industry and people ask you if you need a break every five minutes and uh feed you <laughs> and you know you're like i just ate a burrito and took a nap and um i'm singing this is like the easiest thing i've ever done in my entire life like no i don't need a break like i could go 12 hours a day and like not need a break because I did that in the ballet, um, but the um, the songwriting creative process, the amount of hours that go into songwriting, then rewrite, like the lyrics, the music, the rewrite, then the recording studio hours, the amount of time that you put into practicing, um, singing lessons, piano, you know, you're working on the piano to make sure that you don't flub in a performance, the rehearsals, the costume fittings, the, you know, getting dressed and putting your makeup on. I mean, like it is time consuming and it is, there's so much work that is involved, but if you love it, it doesn't feel like work ever. Exactly. Like I was always excited to go to ballet. I was always excited to go to, you know, work, but I'd call it ballet. I was like, I'm going to ballet. I'm going to perform tonight in front of 3,500 people. And like, I'm so excited or I'm traveling the world, doing what I love to do, getting paid. This is like dancing next to the best dancers in the world. It doesn't feel like work when you love it. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think, you know, I'd hobble backstage and then be able to run on stage and be this graceful ballerina and then walk off stage and like have bloody toes and like, oh, I didn't notice that because I love it so much and that's the how I feel about music it's like you pour your heart and soul it's like into every lyric that you write and then into singing it and then to put music to that it's like such a glorious thing and you get to work with such cool people who have something to say they have their own voice so it's like it's the most fun and fulfilling profession I'm so grateful that I did ballet first because that like everything will be easy after you know yeah you i was just gonna say i was gonna say that yeah <laughs> like it's like a downwards and even if you know like the music industry people said is really difficult and i kind of turned into betty davis where i'm like let me tell you something honey you know like <laughs> um like the ballet world is crazy so um and then broadway doing a show eight times a week is no joke either i will not um that's just incredible to me that that people do that I did it for two years and it was um, physically different. It was a different kind of exhaustion, but you're doing the same show. So you don't have to like, the mental part is not um, as as stressful because you're not learning a thousand ballets, you know, and like mm -hmm. have to remember so many things. It's and then after, after a while, it's just like, it's second nature, right? Like yeah, it's I mean, hard to go back into the real world, right? And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like learning choreo new choreography. I was like, wait, I used to be really good at this. My, my, um, the scariest thing I've ever done uh, in the ballet was um, they thought I knew this, that uh, there was a ballet. One of the girls got injured and they thought I understudied her, which I didn't, but they, they were like, oh, well, okay. So it's, it's the same part that you do. It's just reversed. So all the same steps. It's just on the other side of the stage. Well. And I was like, okay, well, I can do that. You know, like that, that to me, I could do that. 
it wasn't the same at all. And I showed up, I was supposed to have a, a 25 minute rehearsal, 30 minutes before the curtain goes up. And we realized, like the ballet mistress and I realized that it wasn't the same at all. And I had to learn a 17 minute ballet in 25 minutes. And I learned it and I performed it. I didn't kill anyone. It was, I, you know, we clapped at the end and nobody knew and um, it was kind of a miracle, but that, that's the kind of stuff that happens at the ballet. Whereas on Broadway, you have to audition, then you have to learn the part and then you have time for the costume fittings and you gotta, it's like, you have more time. Let's just put it that way. And so you're more prepared. And when you're prepared, you're not as stressed out. And that's bottom line, not as stressful. Yeah, I mean, I think having been a having been a ballerina, you can basically accomplish anything that you want to at this point. There's lots of time and lots of uh, creative things that I'm sure you'll get involved in. Um, we're gonna uh, wrap down, uh, wind down a little bit here now, and give you a chance to let people find you. So, um, Empress will have her own uh, guest profile page uh, in the guest directory on par for the course, so you'll be able to find out. A bunch more stuff about her uh, see some videos and, and all that kind of cool stuff um, but people listening how can they find you right now well I am my music is available on all streaming platforms um, so you can get it in Spotify iTunes SoundCloud you name it I'm on it um, and then if you'd like to follow me on Instagram um, I'm at empress.music and my website is like the hub for everything so it's www.empress-music.com and you can find everything that you need in one place awesome so people make sure you check that out um, I'm sure we'll have Empress back again there's a lot more to hear about our story I'm sure so uh, stick stay tuned and we'll see you next time thanks for coming out and uh, being on the show Empress thank you thanks for having me and that's all the time we have for today. Don't forget to check out the guest profiles for each of our guests uploaded on Fridays on the Par for the Course Business Podcast website. Tune in next week to hear another great episode of Par for the Course with another great guest and me, Mr. Minigolf. The Par for the Course Podcast is a Mr. Minigolf production. Music was produced by Donald Alford II. <laughs>